When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The double is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Manchester United are in free fall, sliding towards the relegation zone. A set of supporters that don't really feel shock anymore, but it's a 1-0 away loss to Newcastle United. And yet again, one of the worst teams in the Premier League get the better of the country's biggest football club. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is under pressure. Liverpool are up next. On Series 5, Episode 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, we're somehow already talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's future, United's future and the relegation battle. As always, there's our extensive youth loan and women's roundup as well. set pieces horrible to watch is it too good to go down I honestly don't know I mean you'd like to think that it is too good to go down because this is a side bereft of quality but there is still some very good players in this team and they should not be anywhere near the relegation zone or even mid-table where we are at the moment but I mean football is a results business it's not about the kind of player you are on paper and if our players keep performing the way that we have been then yeah we are in a relegation scrap I mean we're currently level one points with Sheffield United and Brighton. That is a relegation form, without a doubt. And yeah. we talked on the last podcast about how few wins we've had in the last 20-odd games. It's now, f- was it five wins in the last 23? Yeah, I mean, I that's so. not just relegation form, that's finishing <laughs> 20th form. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't seriously think we we will be in a relegation battle. And I don't think that Edward would, would let that happen, to be honest. Um, I think... Solskjaer would be sacked long before that that became a possibility um, and if United do come into a situation where they're in the bottom six or seven by Christmas time there's I, I can't see any possibility that Solskjaer will still be manager of, of, of United no. um, on the other hand we have gone from champions in 2013 to a bottom half side six years later that's a decline that has started from the top of the football club and too good to go down maybe not and and even even the fact that that conversation is being had shows you exactly what has happened to United. And this is not the same as as Liverpool or other clubs that have gone in decline. Arsenal, because this is this is such a dramatic decline. And yes, we're only so many games into the season. There's so, there's so much football left to be played. But on the other hand, this 
has happened to, to, to other big clubs. I remember Roy Hodgson and Mourinho both being embroiled in this kind of fight at the start of the season with Liverpool and Chelsea respectively. But the fact it's happening shows the problems at the top of the football club. Well, I was just about to say, I, I agree with you that I don't think we actually will end up in a, in a relegation battle. But I do think that this season could end up with us finishing worse than that Mourinho season at Chelsea where they, was it 8th or ninth they finished? Maybe 10th? Yeah. I could see us finishing finishing lower than that because that's the way this team is going at the moment. And I think it we have to be kind of realistic as fans that that actually might be where the season's going. I agree with you that Solskjaer won't last long enough to get this actually into a relegation battle. I think if we're still... I mean, you said bottom six. I think, to be honest, if we're still in the bottom half by Christmas, I think it might be curtains for Solskjaer. Yeah. And I don't think the club will let it go that far. But, I mean, just... Just to know right now that we're only two points above the bottom three, and that doesn't actually look like an inaccurate reflection of the team we are at the moment. <laughs> it's it's fully deserved, and it's it's quite astounding and shows the low quality of the league this season. That United, with two wins, could be into the top four if other results went their way, and that's yeah. That, so that like the quality the of the top two is probably the best it's ever been in league history. Everyone else is sort of falling by the wayside. Well, the quality of Liverpool, even City, are, are being beaten and making big mistakes, but they, yeah. they have some serious injuries. So, I mean, we have some injuries, but the the fact that Solskjaer came out after the game and the, the fact he even mentioned the injuries was, it, it, it just wrangles with you a bit. Because, as you say, this is a team that's won five of the last 23 games. The excuses can be made, sure, but not. Not after that. Not after a way defeat to one of the worst teams in the league. And and Solskjaer's positivity was was brilliant at the start. It changed the the mood of the club. It was what was needed at the time. But it it, it just it it can't happen anymore. Game after game of, of woeful performances. It it can't be excused with with any kind of injuries and astroturf pitch. If you want to go down the Jurgen Klopp route, the weather. The, the, this is not the time for excuses. And I would I would totally accept the the injuries reason for a not for a, a not good performance in the maybe the last ten days two weeks but this hasn't been a ten days or two weeks thing this has now been four five six months ever since we beat PSG it's been a constant downward spiral since then we haven't had injuries that entire time and we've probably had since PSG one good performance against Chelsea on the opening day and even that as we've said many times. Yeah, we got it was a very good result, but we were lucky to stay in that game in the first half. The warning signs have been there for a long time. And I think what annoyed me the most about all this is teams go through bad bad spells. I'm not saying every top team go through a spell this bad, but you know, City are in a bad spell right now. Their bad spell isn't as good as us. Sorry, isn't as bad as as ours, but it happens. What frustrated me about Solskjaer after the game is that he came out and said nothing needs to be changed. We're probably going to keep doing the same things that we have been. I mean, I'm sorry, but if I have five wins in the last 23 games, doesn't make you think then a major change is needed. At what point will he ever think a major major change is needed? Yeah. Well, the the thing that I don't understand is there are players in this in this United side that have consistently underperformed for two seasons, three seasons, if not more. Um, and I, I'm not talking about Ashley Young because players like Young have come into the side and, and, and occasionally put in a really good performance or, or been solid enough. I'm talking about players like Mata, Matic, Lingard. These are these are players that Solskjaer would have watched. Because, so he's a United fan. He would have been watching this team for the last half a decade since Sir Alex Ferguson left, his, his old manager. And 
I don't see how you can continue to persist with these players when they've shown they're not good enough. And if the form is, is this bad, then where is the justification for it? Where is the justification for not replacing an aging Juan Mata with 19-year-old Angel Gomez who has played well? Where's the justification for putting Mason Greenwood on the bench after he scores two goals in two starts at home in a week? Where's the justification for not giving James Garner a chance after he scores six goals in, in seven under 23 games? This is These are the players who, if they were starting every week, you might accept United's situation or not accept it, but it would have some kind of an excuse as, as the development of these young players. But that's not the case. This is a team of, of seasoned professionals who just aren't good enough. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing Solskjaer has constantly bang, banged on about the fact that youth is the way that this football club runs. It's in, in Manchester United's DNA. And that and that is so true. He's exactly right in that. But he's had the opportunity to blood more of these youngsters and he hasn't done. It's like he's only willing to give two or three of them a go at any one time. And ultimately, yes, it's a risk to play them. Of course it is. We, we, there is potential that our best lineup at the moment with the injuries that we have might contain five or six teenagers. But at the end of the day, it can't get any worse than it is right now. So what is the risk really in playing them? The only risk in playing them is that they might be a bit lightweight and they might lose the ball a few many times. But to be honest with you, I'd much rather see them do that than the likes of Mata do that or Pereira, you know, people that we have been giving a chance to and haven't haven't been up to the yeah. mustard. And the, and the thing is, the, the, the AZ Alkmaar game last Thursday, they had a younger starting eleven than we did. And this is yeah. a game where there were two excuses from Solskjaer after that game. The, the AstroTurf pitch, which is, is, is kind of justifiable I, I understand that lots of managers complain about that and rightfully so but it was a young United side that had more much more experience than the team that they were playing and both sides were away from home it wasn't AZ's home stadium because of issues with their their roof collapsing and we said after that game if that game was in isolation then a draw away on an AstroTurf pitch in the Europa League wouldn't be too bad but after all the results and now it's now it's surrounded sandwiched by this Newcastle loss as well it's just not acceptable. And the problem for United is, and, and this is something that Solskjaer kind of alludes to after every game, is yes, there are these chances against Wolves, Crystal Palace, two two penalties that were missed. If those had gone in, United would be high-flying at the start of their season. Harry Maguire's header against Newcastle. Mata and Maguire had uh, chances against West Ham. Rashford had a chance to make it two against Arsenal. Uh, Rashford should have had a penalty against AZ Altmar as well and United should have won that game but that's not the point the fact you have to rely on one chance to win these games or even draw these games shows exactly the problem at United is that they cannot create chances and this is separate of any issues at board level this is a this comes down to management because no matter the injuries you have to have a manager who can pull some victories out of the bag I'm not saying every week but just a victory in every two games would be nice. Yeah, and even what you're saying about, you know, the, all these little things that if they'd have gone a little bit differently, we'd be looking at a very different season right now. You could also make that argument in the opposite direction as well. You know, Chelsea hit the woodwork twice in the first half before we scored. If either of those go in, that's a completely different game and we'll probably end up losing. Arzid Alkmaar had a number of very good chances. They even had the ball in the net at one point, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, but they they were offside. You know, uh, Matty Longstaff had already hit the bar before he actually ended up scoring against us for Newcastle. You yeah. know, in most of these games, yes, there are things that could have gone differently that maybe would have us maybe fifth or sixth at the moment. There are also things that could have happened that probably could have us 18th or 19th at the moment as well. So, you know, little things can, can change a season all the time in both directions. But I think you're right that Solskjaer 
he just he isn't inspiring anyone at the moment. And that was the thing that we saw when he first got here. It was so great is that he galvanised people. And yesterday, to me, in the Newcastle game was the first time I've seen him look hopeless and helpless. He looked like he didn't know what to do after we went one nil down, and he he honestly just didn't didn't look like he understood what to do or what was going on. And again, that's very that's very easy for for me to read into as someone watching. You know, I don't know what was going on in his head, but he looked defeated for the first time. And despite all the bad results that we've had recently, he I've not seen that from him before. But he looked defeated and just completely lost of ideas to me well I've, I've been covering quite a lot of the games for the the home games for Vavil this season and you you see him in press conferences after and I remember going to them last season I think the last the last game I I went to last season was the very end of of the good run which was uh the 3-2 win against Southampton I was at the Southampton game the the Palace victory away from home and in those press conferences after the games in in the mix zone he looked he looked like a manager in charge he looked like someone who knew not what they were doing whereas now you can see the the effect that managing this club has on people we saw it we've seen it with every manager that's come here louis van Gaal kind of managed to escape that because of of his character but Mourinho and and moyes both aged with the club much faster than they should have done and Solskjaer is is having exactly the same thing and it, it's such a such a massive task and there are only a few, maybe even a couple, people in the world who can manage Manchester United successfully. Yeah. And, and to be honest, maybe there's none at the moment. And that's probably true because of the owners. But in general, there are only a few people in the world who can manage a club of this size. And Solskjaer probably isn't one of them. We've accepted that. But I, th- I think the thing is, is that Solskjaer isn't, isn't the problem at United. We've all accepted that. We've reiterated that so many times on this podcast. But it's looking as if he's absolutely not the solution yeah I think that's the thing I, I tweeted after the game yesterday that you know I've, that was kind of the point I snapped with with Solskjaer and it was a very knee-jerk reaction but I think that's the the way to put it it's not really that Solskjaer is the problem but it's that he's not the solution and I think it's important to frame it like that because he isn't the reason we're in this mess at all he inherited inherited a terrible squad rightly let some Deadwood players go over the summer, like Herrera and like Lukaku. Or maybe Deadwood is too strong of a word, but players that weren't going to fit in with us going forward. And we were all very happy to let them, to see them go. But then he and the board were responsible for not replacing them. And again, the, these things aren't down to Solskjaer. He isn't the reason we're in this predicament, but I don't think he is the man to lead us out of it. The, the question then becomes, is there anyone that can lead us out of it immediately? And I don't think there is. But as I was saying to someone on Twitter yesterday, this squad is terrible and this squad isn't good enough to be fighting for the title or maybe even for the top four. But it is not a five win in 23 matches kind of team. Yeah. At all. And even though we said we'd accept some bad results, if it meant that we were building towards the future and we were really starting to implement something that looked good, that isn't happening. And if we're not going to be building something that looks good in a couple of years, I, I'm not accepting these kind of results in the short term. Yeah, we we can't see any kind of suggestion of a of a, a philosophy as as Louis van Gaal was continually going on about, and that was the problem with him, and that was the problem that was probably the biggest problem with with Jose Mourinho is that people couldn't see any long term strategy at the club, even though we finished second, we won two trophies or or, or if yeah. you if you follow Marino's word we won the treble with the, the community shield. Um <laughs> Well I was watching the game on it on uh, NBC yesterday and Lee Lee Dixon was commentating and he said during the game, 
I can't tell you what start, what how Manchester United play. It's just a, a bunch of players that are sort of left out on the pitch to try and figure it out themselves, and it doesn't work. And where have we heard that before? It's exactly what we've been saying for the last three years under Mourinho, and very yeah. little in that regard has actually changed this season. Yeah, absolutely. And but I also have a problem with that. A lot of people are saying Solskjaer should be sacked now, and and it's the international break. It it it, it will be a sensible time, but I, I haven't got to that stage yet. And I think the reason why is because, firstly, he's been in charge for however many months, probably ten months now. He came in December last year, uh, late December last year. But also, say we get someone else, and I I don't want to use the excuse of there are there isn't anyone else out there because that if if that's the only excuse for not sacking someone, that it, you probably should sack them. Um, but say we get anyone else, uh, Allegri or, or Pochettino, they, they they want um five or six established first team players to come in. They need to spend two hundred, two hundred and fifty million. They get rid of three or four. United are still left with a certain amount of dead wood. They introduce a different style of football and eventually the same happens and they're gone by twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. And then you repeat that again and again. So I I have reservations about getting rid of Solskjaer and, and bringing someone else in because we've seen it all before. Yeah, we have seen it all before. This isn't the first time we've been in this situation, and I'm I'm struggling to I'm struggling to uh, to find reasons to justify Solskjaer not being sacked very soon. But as you said, it's not it's not just about Solskjaer and. The only way it's going to work is if Solskjaer leaves and a lot of other things at this club change. Because if we're being honest, Manchester United is rotten to the core at the moment. It really is. And there are, I I think there are some managers that would be able to come in and probably paper over the cracks. To be fair, as Jose Mourinho did for about a year and a half, while in his first year and a half in charge. But I don't think there is any manager that could come in and actually get this football club back to where it should be. Because it needs a, a wholesale change. So I actually do think very soon it, it may, may well be time for Solskjaer to go, but that won't solve all of our problems. It will it will probably improve the short-term results on the pitch, but it's not going to do anything to actually improve Manchester United as a football club in the long term, unless there are a lot of changes in the backroom, backroom staff that go along with it. Gary Neville did a great, um, a great analysis on uh, after the game yesterday on Sky Sports, where he just talked about all of the things that are wrong with the behind the scenes things at Manchester United. And if anyone hasn't seen it, go and go and listen to it or go and read it because it, it explains everything that we've been saying for the last two years. Yeah, I, I yeah. He's he's normally spot on, although he, he tends to leave the, the glazes out of the situation. But uh, saying all of that, yes. do, do you want Solskjaer to go? Do we, do we want kind of to avoid this short to medium term pain if it, if if avoiding it is just going to leave us in a similar situation three years from now, because it, it, say it's, say it's the twenty forty two forty three season in the Premier League, and United are still waiting for their first title since Sir Alex Ferguson left, because that's where Liverpool are now, and it and it seems absolutely ridiculous, but no one would have conceived that in nineteen ninety Liverpool would still be waiting in in twenty nineteen, and that <laughs> that that kind of makes me think well. Why not carry on? Why why not make the the problem so obvious that it it just simply cannot be avoided anymore? I I would say I'm I'm close to wanting Solskjaer to go, but like I said, it's going to be pointless unless there are a lot of other changes at the club, and I don't think that's going to happen, especially not during the season. 
I think as long as I think I think the the thing for me is what you really want to avoid is having a season that is so bad that it could be detrimental to the club's power going forward to attract players and attract managers because that's what happened with Liverpool for a long time is that the name of Liverpool Football Club wasn't enough at a certain point to overcome the bad results that they had and in sort of the late 90s early to and early to mid 2000s they struggled to attract top players because they simply weren't a good enough football team and at the moment we're still good enough to attract some of the top players but not sort of the very very top and the only thing I worry is that if we keep Solskjaer for the whole season, which I actually don't think will happen, but if we do and we finish 12th, 13th, 14th, will that be too much now for players and managers to accept? And will we then be really stuck? Because not only do we have a bad board that are not willing to do what what's needed, they're not willing to put in the necessary changes to make the football club run properly again, a rotten set of owners, and also a team on the pitch that we can't even throw money at because players won't come and join us. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I take that point. But I'd also say United released their financial results, uh, I think, a week and a half ago. And the headlines obviously all read, United achieved record financial revenue, whatever, over 600 million. But the, the, there's a good account on Twitter, Swiss Ramble, who dissected them a bit more and went into more detail. And United haven't grown commercially for four years. It's It's been the same. Spurs, Chelsea, City and Liverpool have all caught up in the last five years. Not caught up so they're at the same level, but the the gap has decreased significantly. Uh, and that's only going to get smaller because Liverpool have a new deal with Nike. Chelsea have a new deal. City have a new deal. Spurs have a new sponsor for their training kit, something like that. It, it's continually getting smaller. So I think... Well, and I think a big thing that was picked up in there as well is that part of the um, the deal that we have with Adidas is that if we miss the Champions League two years in a row, so something like half of the money that we get from that sponsorship sponsorship deal goes. Yeah. So maybe we are finally starting to get to that point where the money actually is starting to dry up because of the on-field, the on-field uh, results. But well, it, it, will it, it be enough it to, to force the board into making wholesale changes? I don't know. It, it, I mean, Woodward once said playing performance doesn't really have a meaningful impact on what we can do on the commercial side. And yet, since 2015, United just have not grown commercially. It's it's gone yeah. down from 276 million to 275 million. It's a, it's a minimal decrease. But the point is, United are no longer growing, while every other team in the Premier League is. And the fact that United are yeah. achieving these record revenues is mainly down to the the broadcasting deal, like every other team in the Premier League. So a club that was once breaking records because of the stuff they did off the pitch by expanding Old Trafford, by signing a record sponsorship deal with Vodafone back in the early 2000s, Sharp as well. These are the things that now City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham are doing. And so I just don't think that the bubble can last much longer around Ed Woodward. I think that it, it will eventually just kind of pop. And I, th- I think even the Glazers, as much as they love Woodward for leveraging their their buyout of the club back in 2005, will will see that that their cash cow is starting to become slightly less productive. And does that mean they'll sack him? Probably not. But I I I just have reservations over sacking Solskjaer, um, even though I don't think he's a very good manager, because I think his weaknesses will just make the problem so. it'll make it absolutely necessary to address it for Woodward and the Glazers and everyone involved in the club. And I think that long term, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think it probably is a good thing that hopefully 
this season might affect some change in the boardroom. But will it be enough? I don't know. I honestly don't know. And the problem is, as much as I think it's time for Solskjaer to go, but I don't think doing something in the middle of the season will make the, those kind of changes happen. I think it's going to need... It's almost going to, the whole club almost need to reset yeah. at the end of the season. So I think if Solskjaer was to go, and I'd be very surprised if he's still in charge by the start of 2020, I think if he was to go, it should be a proper interim manager who is never really in the running to have the job permanently. That's what we thought Solskjaer was. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Um, but then someone who will just be in charge to the end of the season and then someone else can come in and hopefully have a proper reset on on this football club because that's what it needs. Changing a manager can paper over the cracks like Mourinho did for a little while, but it's not going to change everything that's wrong with Manchester United at the moment. But that's what we thought we were getting with every manager we've had. Not with Moyes, but with Van Gaal, we thought we were getting a long-term project. With Mourinho, we thought we were getting a, a sudden reset, a, a ruthless manager who would get rid of the deadwood and win some titles. And then with Solskjaer, we thought we were getting the opposite of someone who would, again, go for a long-term strategy. Um, although, to be honest, uh, we're not really sure what we were getting with Solskjaer because he was never meant to be Manchester United manager. And he, 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 that, that's, the, that's the truth. Solskjaer should never have been United manager because he should have been given until the end of the season to to prove himself worthy of of one of the biggest jobs in football uh, but we we should move on and and look at one positive from the Newcastle game and and the last few weeks or so is that i'm now pretty confident that Axel Twanzebe will be United's first choice centre back alongside Harry Maguire at the end of the season he's been probably the only positive recently and settled into the first team perfectly with two different roles in in some big games yeah thought he did very very well against Newcastle and against RZ as well Sorry, not RZ against Arsenal. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. He should be our first choice centre-back going forward. Him and Maguire look to have a very good partnership. And it's nice because they complement each other. Probably Maguire's main weakness is his pace or lack of it. And Twanzevi make more than makes up for that. Both very, very strong in the air, good on yeah. the ball. I think it, they suit each other a little, a little bit better than Maguire and Lindelof do. And as we talked about on the last episode, I really hope that we actually do try a back three at some point of the two of them and Lindelof, because I do think that actually could could work very well. I think they'd be a good trio. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I've, I've just been really impressed with Twente, and it's not just that, it's it's other people speaking about him, and that shouldn't really uh, affect my judgment. But when you, when you, Gary Neville's not one to praise young centre-backs too highly, and it is pretty critical yep. of defenders. And his words on Twente have been overwhelmingly positive, saying that he has everything you need as a United centre-back, which is the pace, the strength, the composure is the key thing, um, particularly alongside Maguire, who can put you... It, the, the better the, the partner Maguire has, the better he's going to look as well, because he can actually well, yeah, use him. He can use him as a, as a passing outlet. And Twanzebe's quality on the ball is, is so, so good. Um, and his reading of the game is excellent as well. So I, I think if I was Solskjaer, I would be starting Twanzebe from now on as, as the first choice. And but also because it just, it, it forces Lindelof to, to improve. And if Lindelof eventually comes yeah. in and takes his place, then that's fine. That, that, that means that Lindelof has earned that place rather than over the last couple of seasons where he's basically been the, the best of the worst. Um, I've got to say, I was a little frustrated that when Dala got injured, that Twanzebe was moved out to right back because yeah. I know Rojo is more of a centre back than a left back. But I, th- I think if moving Ashley Young to right back, playing Rojo left back would have been better because 
when your centre back partnership was working so well between Twanzebi and Maguire, you, you don't disrupt that. Yeah, and also you could have brought Brandon Williams on, which goes back to our point yeah. about about young and players who probably should have been starting as well. Yeah, exactly. I would have started him, Gomez, and Greenwood, and if not Gomez, then then James Garner in a deeper role. So. But, but maybe that's why I'm not United manager but there we go talking about youth we should move on to our, our youth roundup. Um, the under 18s beat Newcastle 5-2 at the weekend better than the first team uh, Dylan Hugerverf a new signing from Ajax in the summer scored two of those Will Fish a young centre back scored one and Anthony Alanga a Swedish winger scored two uh, we scored three goals in four minutes which we can only dream of for the first team these days in loan news Dean Henderson the goalkeeper kept a clean sheet for Sheffield United got a good point against Watford Henderson made a few great saves including to die Danny Welbeck at a one-on-one. Also a key save at the end from a Craig Dawson header. Sheffield United now in 13th place near Manchester United and it's good uh, for Henderson to get a good performance in after an absolute howler against Liverpool last week Kent. Another goalkeeper Kieran O'Hara also kept a clean sheet as Burton Albion beat MK Dons 3-0. Always good to see uh, MK Dons getting beaten. O'Hara also came up with a couple of decent saves in that League One fixture. In Serie A Chris Smalling started for Roma in a 1-1 draw against Cagliari. Alexis Sanchez was suspended for the derby d'Italia between Juve and Inter. Juventus won that game 2-1. In the English Football League, Ethan Hamilton and George Tanner both played 90 minutes in a 3-1 away defeat for Southend United and Morecambe. Cameron Borthwick Jackson was an unused substitute as Tranmere Rovers narrowly lost 1-0 to Shrewsbury Town at Prenton Park. Joel Pereira started for Hearts in his first home defeat of the season. They were beaten 1-0 by Kilmarnock at Tynecastle. They currently sit ninth in the Scottish Premiership. In non-league, Alex Fodjacek started for Stallybridge Celtic against FC United of Manchester in a 3-2 defeat. FC United scored a 90th minute winner in the Northern Premier League. In Norway, Aidan Barlow wasn't in Tromsø's squad as they beat Christiansund 5-0 at the weekend. In women's news, no United game since we last spoke to you, but they played Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday after a 2-0 win against Liverpool last week. If you're in London, uh, I'd advise getting down to that. should be a good game. Right, that's all we have time for on Series 5, so 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, as always. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. But for more from us throughout the international break, no game coming up for United. There is a game for United's women's team. So for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At U-T-D-T-A-I-T. And just a quick update on uh, on the Twitter poll that I put out after the last episode. Um, 54% of you thought that we will score more than one goal in a game by November the 3rd. So it's a pretty shocking indictment of where we are as a team right now. So we'll see, who, we'll see which side of that ends up being correct. <laughs> well, since you said that, we haven't actually scored at all yet. So yeah, so yeah we'll see about that. Um, for more from me throughout the week, you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks for listening as always. Enjoy a United free week. It should be nice. Network.